Hello, I'm Chris Turner, and welcome into this edition of Radio BNR. Today we're at a basically a sidewalk cafe in Boulder, Colorado, and we're talking with Tennessean and church planner Parker Manuel. Hello, Parker. Thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. So this is awesome. We just finished breakfast at a really cool cafe here on the sidewalk in Boulder, and Boulder seems to be a really cosmopolitan area. Just talk a little bit about kind of this city that you're located in now. Well, I personally think that Boulder is the best city in the world. I think it's the most beautiful city. It, uh, it's a very entrepreneurial town, very tech-savvy place. Um, many people may not know this, but uh, we have a Google headquarters here, Twitter, NetApp, wow. I, IBM. We have uh, some of the largest global influence tech companies right here, home-based in Boulder, Colorado. They call it the... Silicon Valley, Colorado. It's wow. um, very tech savvy, very entrepreneurial driven, um, and I would, yeah, I would agree. It's it's a uh, it's unlike any city though that I've really ever seen or been a part of in a sense of uh, we're a slow moving city. <laughs> There's not a lot of yeah. fast paced life, yeah. um, which is good for me because I spend five minutes in Manhattan <laughs> and I'm yeah. I'm tired, yeah. <laughs> but not here. So, so you would probably also say that, that in Boulder, people are just craving to hear about Jesus, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They come to me all the time, <laughs> and they say, tell me who, who you serve. No, they don't. They, uh, not at all, actually. Um, you know, whenever we first moved here, I would say in conversations with people throughout the city, it was three or four months before we met our first person that claimed to be a believer. And um, and even then, no interest in church whatsoever. And so um, it was just interesting because not, like, even none of our neighbors and none of the people in our sphere of influence, there's just no interest in, uh, in specifically Christianity. Now, I will say this, though. A lot of the people that we've met um, were interested in spiritual things, yeah. and when we brought up Jesus, they were definitely interested. But I think it was just—it's never been on the forefront of their mind yeah. to think, "Oh, I'm going to pursue Christianity." Yeah. If anything, I would say it's the opposite. They feel like of all the religions, Christianity probably has the least draw for them wow. as it relates to, you know, things that they care about, like. Social issues. Or, um, I had one person tell me after I gave him the gospel. He said, "Well, tell me this." He said, "This is what I've always really kind of been confused about with Christianity." He's like, "If I were to believe what you believe," he said, "What uh, what other people or religions would I not be able to associate with anymore?" Wow. I was like, man, I think you're really quite confused on what we believe. That's <laughs> yeah. that's not how this works at all. Yeah. But I think that's their idea, is that when you step over into the Christian land, yeah. you have to say goodbye to all the people you know. you got to hate certain denominations or religions. That's just not how this works at all. Yeah, just a total misunderstanding, and those that have even considered it at all, uh, wrong information. Mm-hmm. So... so uh, let's go back just a little bit. Talk a little bit about how your family got here, because you guys were settled in. You had ministry going in in Middle Tennessee, up in Hendersonville. How'd you get to Boulder from Hendersonville, Tennessee? Well, 
was, this was about four years ago now. My wife and I began the process of adopting our oldest boys. And in, in that process, it was kind of a really long process. And we uh, adopted our boys, and we told it, it was such a long, arduous process. We, we told our, our boys and our family, we said, we're going to go and celebrate really big. And so in our celebration, we said, we're going to do a 6,000-mile victory lap where we're going to drive from Nashville to San Francisco. And it was this real big deal. We made these shirts called the best day ever and big celebration for us. And so we headed from Nashville to San Francisco, all the while knowing that it's a celebration for the boys. And along the journey, we're going to pray through all of the sin cities through Nam and pray where God was going to plant our family. And so that was the journey that led us to Denver, Colorado, which is one of the stops. We stopped in St. Louis and Denver, Colorado, Salt Lake City. We went to L.A., San Francisco, Las Vegas. We visited a lot of different cities. But the one that really, really struck the court with us was Boulder. And we didn't know that coming in. We drove originally to Denver, and I said, well, I said, I feel like, I feel like we're supposed to go north. I've heard that it's, there are some tough spots up in north that I think I want to check out. And so we ended up driving into Boulder thinking, me thinking I'm not much of a city person, so I'm probably not going to fit in really well in Boulder. But then whenever we drove into Boulder, found out it's not exactly like a city I've ever been to before. Yeah. It's more like a mountain city. you got a lot of slow living. I, I liked all the things they liked, and it was a really good fit for our family, and we couldn't shake it. And so we ended up even talking to... The person that's over all the front range and, and we were sharing with him our heart and our vision for Boulder and it was kind of funny because he was trying to in, in a way almost talk us out of it it felt like because in a loving way because he, he realized that it's just a difficult place yeah. and I said you probably don't know this and you don't really know us that well but you know the more you try to talk us out of it the more we're <laughs> going to want to be here <laughs> and that's kind of how we operate and sure enough we uh we got back home in Hendersonville. We prayed about it for six months, and that's when we came to the conclusion. And everybody affirmed that over our life of we're going to plant a church in Boulder, and yeah. that's that's going to be our future. And that's when our pastor was diagnosed, yeah. and you know we were we walked through a difficult journey over the next couple of years. But but then but then when I approached the new new senior pastor at the time, when I approached him about us planting a church, he was overwhelmingly encouraging and. Uh, affirming of us moving and said that this was a good fit for us and yeah. that he wanted to be behind us 100%. And they have been. They've been, they've been our, our biggest fans and biggest supporters through the journey. So, what, so what, great. what has been maybe a little different than what you might expect and maybe a bigger, something that might have been a bigger challenge and maybe something that was a little bit easier adjustment than you thought it might have been? I think... I think transitioning into the culture here for us has been easier than we had imagined um, you know I feel like we can relate really well to the people here mm -hmm. and so for me coming to Boulder was like coming it felt like coming home yeah um, I think as far as the challenges go something that we maybe didn't anticipate is just being as intense as it has been is by far the spiritual warfare that we've experienced as a family <clears throat> we've had We've had many moments, um, just as it relates to things that our kids have experienced in relationships that they have. I remember even just the first few weeks of being here, uh, we met several transgender kids. And my son was coming home asking questions of, you know, I met this boy who says he's a girl at, on the playground today. What does that mean? And 
How old are your kids? Eight, six, four, two, and five months. And I just remember thinking, wow, I didn't think we'd be having this conversation this early on. And so we just started having that conversation of, of, you know, what he believes, what the Bible says. And so, but that was just the, little did we know, we were just scratching the surface the first few weeks. And then it's the spiritually wise the culture here is really dark and you we experience that at a very deep level and I I hesitate even really honestly telling a lot of people a lot of the things that we experience here because we end up just sounding weird yeah and strange and I know you have a lot of experience with weird (laughs) being on an international mission field and so I almost I almost feel like those are the only people that I can really relate with in conversation because otherwise I just feel like I'm I'm a crazy person but I mean everything from um, there being you know our vehicle was stolen which is very odd for where we live out of our driveway Uh, we've had masks placed on our home we've had um, prayer teams come that have uh, prayed over our home from the Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee Baptist, and they have, uh, <clears throat> they've circled our property, and we had two different, three different prayer teams come and say, hey, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something happening going on behind your house where that fence line is, yeah. and uh, and I was like, okay, well, we'll definitely pray, and they're like, no, you really need to, you need to put a hedge behind your house, yeah. and I said, okay, we will, I don't know what it is, but, yeah. uh, they, and so, I really didn't know, but I would go back there and I'd pray, pray a hedge behind our house and I'd pray over our home every night and come to find out we had our first baptism service at our house. And the person that lived behind me during the baptism service came over. He was just overwhelmed, like he was just overtaken by something. And he calls me out and he ends up cussing me out. I've never been cussed out before in my life. Um, saying he's going to get me kicked out of the house. I'll never do another religious thing in the city again. I mean, you could just tell there was just yeah. possession all yeah. over him. Yeah. And uh, and I walked away from that experience just shaking, thinking, you know what? Like this is what they were warning us about. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. Yeah. And that type, that le- deep level of spirituality, where you're just even these prayer teams, yeah. independently of each other, are yeah. telling me there's something evil in this alley, wow. and you need to be aware of it. Yeah. That has been the story of our life the last two yeah. years of people having dreams and visions casting out demons yeah. we've had that happen people coming and trying to cast spells on people in our church and over our congregation and us having to combat that with God's word and yeah. intense prayer and fasting it's just well you know it's I mean, been I mean, a challenge it, you think about you think about evil in the world and you look at a place that it's sophisticated. It's got a great wrapping on it. It's a neat. It's a clean city and all that. Yeah. But when you much. scratch that surface, it, it's no different than going to maybe a, a in India where or it's highly spiritual. It's much more raw, but in the evil is much more prevalent because of you know the the whole worship of the Hindu gods. But evil is evil. It just wraps itself in a different wrapper. And so where there is this absence of light, especially in a place like this, where ironically there's so much abundance of natural light, um, that that lurking below the surface of that, Satan owns this place and doesn't want uh, doesn't want the name of Christ proclaimed, mm-hmm. which is the whole reason that you've come. And so, you know, it's one of those things, it's, it's, uh, 
you know, I mean, from a believer's perspective, this, this is as front line as it gets, you know, especially in a place like the United States where we have this tendency to believe that, you know, things aren't as bad here. It's as bad here as it is, is everywhere else in the world. It's just that it's got a different wrapper on it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Everybody here is beautiful. Everybody's healthy. The average lifespan is seven years later than other parts of the world. Uh, everybody is wealthy, healthy, healthy, and from all outside appearances, happy, but they're not. Yeah. You know, we've we've experienced a steep loss of suicide yeah. here from friends and deep isolation and loneliness. And there is definitely this facade that's put out that move the boulder and you'll be happy. When in reality, when you meet one on one and get to the the heart of people's stories, there's a lot of loneliness, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety to keep up and to maintain this status. And so, so you know, when you look at Colorado in general and certainly where you are, uh, you guys are really kind of the future of what's coming to Tennessee because we have had such an influx of, of uh, people moving there for whether it's Google or Amazon or one of the car manufacturers. So you, you are seeing, especially with issues, social issues that are taking place with uh, transgender issues, other things, that's coming our way. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to pastors in Tennessee, whether they're church planners or pastors in an established church, about um, maybe some approaches that you've taken that, uh, to, to try and connect with people that they're going to need to really possibly change their methodology in the way they connect with their community because obviously out here four spiritual laws doesn't work uh, you're not just going to walk up and share it and it be that that simple or that simplistic but there is a process and we we need to change some of those processes in reaching people and maybe think differently how, how would you tell somebody if they were asking you okay so what do i need to do to reach my community in a changing culture what could you offer that person uh, that's such a great question, and it's something honestly I think about a lot because um, you know I met with a, a pastor just yesterday who says he thinks he feels a call to the West, and he asked the exact same question. He said, yeah. "What would you tell me?" He said, "If I were to take a church out here, what would I sh what should I be aware of?" And I think that's a great conversation because we need a lot more pastors out here. Yeah. And you're right, what is happening here is 100% moving its way into Tennessee. I would say a few things. I would say, one, I would say, um, people want to give more and dive deeper than maybe we give them credit for. And what I mean, what I mean by that, at least with the generation that I'm seeing now in Boulder, is when given an opportunity and when asked the question, would you mind serving in this area or hey we're doing this really intense discipleship you know, program and we're going to go really deep and oh hey we're going to do this event I really need you to com commit to this and put in time and energy and resourcing I, I think people want to be involved in something that's very radical these days mm -hmm. and I think sometimes at least this, this is just my opinion uh, we give them a, a pass and I think we have this idea that because the, so much of the culture is changing and, and especially with the, the rise of millennials getting older now and the, the, the kind of assumptions that we have towards them, we, we kind of give them a pass to say, well, that must mean that we have to 
put less of a load on them or, or not have as high as expectation. When I feel like they're craving the exact opposite. I feel like they're craving to go really, really, really deep and to give a lot of themselves to see the kingdom of God advance. They just need pastors that are willing to cast that vision and mm -hmm. do the ask. Yeah. Um, that's one shift that I'm seeing in really difficult places is it's not that we're um, having to, you know, hold anything back or, or water anything down. It's that we're doing the exact opposite and that that's what they want. Yeah. Um, so I would say I've, discipleship and going really, really deep is a, is a longing craving. People are hungry uh, for that. But I would also say, um, especially on issues that are the hot bucket topics right now, um, for Boulder, that is the LGBTQ community. And um, I remember that our, our mayor this year said that he wanted Boulder to be a staple for the rest of the world to see this is how you do Pride Month. Uh, and he, he gained inspiration from San Francisco this last year. And so he they painted rainbow stripes on all the streets. They put rainbow flags in all of the businesses along our, our main strip in town, over 200 flags. And I think it was 95% of the businesses, maybe 98% of the businesses, hanging in the windows as, as this representation that we are a uh, all-inclusive all affirming city towards the LGBTQ and uh, there, there could definitely be this mindset where uh, I feel like in the south anyway some of the some of the uh, the conversations that I have this mindset of well then you got to stand up even harder against mm -hmm. that in order to have a voice for it and I don't know that it's necessarily standing up against it as it is just standing for what you believe yeah. and loving people through it. Because um, I, I believe that what that everyone from the media to the businesses to the uh, local organizations that are doing these, uh, handing out the flies and doing this, they're looking for people to come at them so that they can put a stamp of, uh, uh, you know, a hater or a bigot mm -hmm. on you. But what if, what if instead we showed an overwhelming amount of love and respect for the entire human race, regardless of gender or whatever? But then at the exact same time, we never wavered on what we believe in our stance yeah. on the truth of God's word, which has been a really difficult thing to navigate. But I'll tell you one thing that it's done that maybe I can, this this will help put it, kind of bring it all together, is it's helped us shape our conversation of how we talk about and to the LGBTQ community. And it's shaped the conversation of how we build systems and structures in our church to help protect us from us targeting one specific people group or sin. For example, when I stand up there and I preach on a Sunday, uh, I do not preach about the LGBTQ community because they're in my seats and I, I'm, I'm friends with them. They're my neighbors. They're, they're people that I'm for, that I've been walking alongside with for a long time. So I speak to them like, like my friend. And that in that conversation, it's different than saying, and we're not for this because, well, they're there. Yeah. And so I, it just changes your conversation 
to much more grace-filled, like, hey, I know you may not understand this at all. And, and I'm okay walking this longer journey with you to understand yeah. why this is where we stand. Yeah. Um, and then another thing is the, how we change our language around it is, and this is just, this is really tough here because this is the one issue that, especially in our city, gets uh, shifted and folded the most among local evangelical churches. I just this week had someone send me a video where a pastor just announced that, you know, their church is, ta- is taking a shift on this in the area. And they're going to be like more welcoming and affirming. And the challenge with that is, is this idea that if we bend on that, we're becoming more unifying as a people. When in reality, unity in the local church is not built on our relationship to one another as much as it is us being more like Christ. Yeah. And in being more like Christ, and in leaning into a righteous living, righteous life, we become more unified yeah. as one body, one baptism, one spirit. And it's and but they shifted in the name of as if if we're going to be unified, then we must show love and respect for these. And I just I just don't believe that that's the answer. I believe we love and respect the world regardless of their behavior. And if that doesn't change at all. But I believe that in a local church congregation that love and respect doesn't always nobody wins. If love and respect is the answer in the local congregation, nobody wins. Yeah. Not the people that we're trying to love and show them what the scripture has to say about this issue. And the congregation doesn't win because now we've just taken the truth of God's word and twisted it and morphed it into, well, I said Jesus. I mean, we took yeah. every, we basically, good portion of the New Testament to make it say what we want. Yeah. And, and nobody wins in that. And then the last thing is the, and this is just the thing that I feel like has uh, impacted us the most is, you know the the issue right now with the LGBTQ, uh, you know, on the rise and the Pride months and the, you know legalizing um, same-sex marriages. Uh, in the local church, it, it can be very pointed and targeted as like this is the issue. When in reality, I think that this is just as much of an issue as uh, you know people feeling isolated and alone or people being greedy and and. I, one of the things that I, I, I think a bigger for us a bigger issue than even the LGBTQ is uh, porn. I, in our in our congregation, that's the number one struggle. And so we we target one very specific thing. When in reality, I believe if we, especially in the South, if we could shift our focus to say, um, it's not that you can't serve in leadership because you're part of the LGBTQ. It's not that you can't serve in leadership and and really uh, be a part of our community if you live this lifestyle. What it really result, the bottom line is, uh, we do not elevate people that live in unrepentant and consistent sin, mm-hmm. in any and all forms. And that has been a great leveler for us here, is that we take a really, really, really hard stance on what the Bible says is sin, and if yes, if you agree that this is sin, okay, now, are you living in that lifestyle consistently? If we have anybody looking at porn consistently in our church? We're not elevating them in any form or level of leadership. We have people in our church that are greedy and not generous with their time and resources. We're not elevating them in any level of leadership. And for us, I think that's honestly a thing that we kind of have to come to an understanding and actually be able to articulate to people is we're not targeting specific people and saying we don't like you because that's what it comes across or we're not for you. It's just that we believe that the Bible says certain things are sin. And if you see what I see, then it's not what I'm saying, 
you know, it's what scriptures say. And then if we can both say that it's not okay for people that believe that's a sin to live it consistently and be elevated. And it takes it back to the objective standard of scripture and not a subjective, exactly. a, 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 a subjective perspective 100%, of like what I think. What, you know, so it's like, it's not me saying it. I mean, you, you've got to go do something with this yes. and come back and decide, you know, do you truly believe this is the word of God? And if it is, it's... It's an objective standard because it applies to everyone in the world. 100%. But my opinion doesn't matter. What does it say? So That's really great. Yeah. Kind of removing ourselves from the equation to say, hey, and this is what we've done with a lot of people both in our church and in the city to say, hey, when they come at us to get a response, we say, hey, we'd love to give you a response, but we would love to do that in the one, the context of a relationship yeah. and in the context of yeah. us walking through scripture together. Yeah. Now, if you want to have that conversation, we're willing to go there. But if you want to... If you want a soundbite out of me, I don't think that's worth my effort right now. Because yeah. I'd much rather have a conversation of, if you don't believe the Bible and you don't believe Jesus and you want to have a conversation of, why well, I believe what I believe, we're in two different worlds, yeah. two different playing fields. Yeah. I would much rather have a conversation of, why not believe in Jesus? Yeah, Yeah, it comes down to that whole idea of, well, some people obviously with an agenda looking for you to affirm what they already believed about evangelism. Exactly. That's and so exactly. it's like, I just need your sound bites so that I can be affirmed so in what I already believe. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it, the answer is just so much more complicated than that. I mean, on one level it's much more simple, but the other, it's to get to the simple answer, it's a much more complicated. Yes, I agree. And it's not a sound bite answer. So, well, you had mentioned earlier just the, the prayer walk teams that had come. Um, Obviously, praying for uh, just spiritual strength in the midst of the battle is one way that people can pray. Oh, well, for there might sure. be some other way that, uh, and obviously not just for your ministry, but for your family, for your kids as they live in this culture as well, and hmm. you know, raise up. So those are obviously important prayer requests. What might be some other prayer requests uh, that, that people have? Well, I can tell you what we're praying for right now. Yeah, um, we we always. Pray for protection over our kids and over our home, over the church. Um, the spiritual warfare is real, and the more people that we can get praying for our kids and our yeah. family, even in our uh, elementary schools, my kids say all the time, I wish there was at least one person that believed what I believe. Yeah. And there's just not. Yeah. And uh, that day after day after day, can, as you can imagine, yeah. have its struggles. And so we pray for protection of our kids a lot, every morning, yeah. every night. Uh, we love our kids, and I was I was actually talking with my oldest son. They they're all very just very high tuned to just the spiritual things. And, um, both of my oldest boys have come to faith and been baptized and uh, feel a call into ministry of some sort. They were having a discussion in the back of our vehicle the other day where my son said, "Yeah, and I'm going to start planning campuses in the city." And my other son was like, "Yeah, and I'm going to lead all of our summer camps." And so we were already kind of in the vein. Yeah. Of, I think we're gonna be involved in this thing and I told my oldest I said you realize that you're going to be a, a native here like, all of our kids are going to be natives here yeah. they're going to be raised in this culture they're going to know they're going to be raised all in the school systems so middle or elementary middle and high and they're going to know the city like no one else knows yeah. the city yeah. and they're going to have it with a vantage point of, it, of a biblical worldview and I said man I said think of the force that you're going to be in this city one day yeah. and he kind of smiled and he said yeah when I take over the church and I was like that's <laughs> not how that works I was like that's not how it works forget your own church yeah. <laughs> you plant your own <laughs> you know that's not it's not just yours because you're my son there's a process to this 
but uh, but it was interesting to me. That's where kind of where his head. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm pray for our kids that they would be huge forces in this city, especially after you know another decade worth yeah. of, of tilling the soil of what impact they can make as as preachers and leaders yeah. in the city. So we pray for my kids. Another thing we're praying for is just uh, in in our quiet times. I feel like the Holy Spirit's been telling you know me, my wife, and a lot of our team is that in Boulder we need a revival before we need an awakening. Hmm. Meaning, I feel like there's a lot of believers in this city that have a very, very bad understanding of, of, of Scripture and a sense of some of these social issues that they're working through and, and that really need to come back to the core truths of God's Word. I feel like that's a part of it. I also feel like... You, you will meet Christians here, not many, but you'll meet Christians here who say they love God, but, but they're, they're not involved in any local congregation or church whatsoever. And um, so we're definitely praying for that as far as those believers that are here, that they would commit to a local church and advancing the kingdom of God and be involved in that. Um, and so we're praying for a revival among those that are here. And then, uh, and then, out of a revival, we're praying for awakening. So we're actually having a revival weekend coming up, and then that Sunday, uh, we're going to be sharing the gospel in two services at a very popular theater in town. And our prayer is that we see 50 salvations. What's and the so, What's the date on that? Uh, that is August 16th to the 18th. It's our one year anniversary. <clears throat> you know, we have a prayer to plant six campuses in this city in six different parts of the city where people don't really leave very tribal city um, and we are we when before moving here we talked about this last night as our, with our team before moving here we felt like God had called us to reach the city you know I believe that sometimes God calls people to parts of the city to reach you know maybe this this block or this this little borough or but we feel very strongly that God's call in our life was the, the whole city, and He's reminded me of that over and over again when I've either been on a hike or a prayer walk. He says, no, it's the city. It's the city. And, you know, honestly, you know, I don't fully know what that looks like, but I believe that, you know, maybe it's in a decade from now or two decades from now, I think we're going to see a real shift in, in Boulder. And I feel like it'd be just like God to take the impossible city. Yeah place that is just rooted with, you know, the satanic church is founded here, and KKK was founded here. We've been doing late-term abortions since the early 70s in Boulder. Um, uh, we have the largest Buddhist university here. It would be just like God to take a city that has that level of heritage and say, no, no, no. I can overcome everything. I can shake that. That's nothing for me. And that Boulder would be a place where, not where people would go to get away from God, but where people would go to find God. And it's been interesting, even just over the last couple months, hearing people's testimonies that show up at Pinewood that either weren't believers or that had walked away from the church. And they, I, I've heard them say out loud before, I never thought that I'd move to Boulder to find God. And I'm like, well, that was our prayer. <laughs> That's exactly our prayer. Awesome. Well, Parker, it sounds like there is a ton of stuff going on. Uh, sounds like the Lord is definitely moving. Um, he's obviously stirring the waters. So we'll definitely be encouraging Tennessee Baptists to pray. And we just uh, appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening to Radio B&R. 
a podcast production of The Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio BR. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.